Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He is not Spencer Penny Strode. I am Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Uh, it's just me solo. We're talking FIBA World Cup quarterfinals. And uh, yeah, I mean, Team USA took care of Italy in the in the FIBA World Cup quarterfinals. Paolo Bencaro got to squash some Italian beef in victory. The reigning rookie of the year award winner uh, on Friday next gets to face off against Franz and Moritz Wagner in the semifinals as Germany remain the only undefeated team in the tournament uh, by surviving and just barely, barely squeaking by and defeating Latvia. It's what Magic fans were hoping the uh, the basketball world would get to see. You know, it's a showdown of its two best rising stars. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on a 7-6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. All right, I am recording this Wednesday night, September 6th. Monday, leading into the Tuesday and Wednesday quarterfinal games in Manila, Philippines. That's where the rest of these uh, these final games are going to be played. German head coach Gordon Herbert's uh, Franz Wagner injury status updates remained very consistent over the past week, but Monday it was it was similar. You know he you know he, he quote unquote said he had no team practice five on five uh, or contact yet on Monday. Uh, you know we were gonna have to see what the situation was on Tuesday if he's able to practice, and then he said the medical staff will make the decision on Wednesday. So. He'll, Herbert's been pretty consistent for the most part with with Franz in regards to just he hasn't really done five on five practice, no contact. He's just been doing stuff individually. And I mean, based on the videos, even middle of last week, Franz looked pretty good when he was when he was doing these drills. Uh, But it left some kind of doubt in your mind. also on Monday, Paolo Bencaro was interviewed. Uh, you know, he commented on his right thumb, saying, "You know, it's all right. It's kind of at the point where it's not going to get any better. So I play through it." Was the quote, uh, which doesn't sound great, but I mean, he's clearly based off his jump shots and three-point numbers as the tournament has progressed since he's wrapped the thumb, basically the middle of the of the first group stage, like clearly something's not right with the thumb. Cause otherwise why would you wrap it? And so there's some impacts with it. Um, I'm sure it's been looked at very carefully by the team USA medical team. Uh, and I'm sure the magic have gotten involved with it. And if they say it's overall, okay, and it can't get worse then let them play. It's fine. But, uh, just interesting quote, but then Beyond just that, Greek and Italian media uh, were asking a good amount of questions during that session. One of the Greek guys bluntly asked if uh, Paolo had a message for Italian fans going into their quarterfinal game. And Paolo rightfully bluntly responded back, quote unquote, no, which is going to be a meme for a long time. It's it's already living in my phone for sure. And I'm definitely going to whip that out on occasions. But so in my eyes, Paolo chose the high road by just saying no, uh, his 
social media accounts have been bombarded by Italians posting hateful and at times racist shit when he uh, when he chose Team USA. Uh, you know, between when that announcement came out early in the offseason till now, like there's he's still getting a fairly steady stream of uh, of Italian fans' uh, messages. So I don't blame him for uh, for taking the high road and just focus on what was going on on the court. Like that's, that's fine. You know, however the situation played out with how the team USA news was revealed for him to play them, play with them rather than play with Italy. You know, you got to throw that to the side, everything else. Paolo has been doing fine with it so far Tuesday. So yesterday, September 5th, uh, we get great news that Franz Wagner practiced fully on Tuesday. Like he participated in five on five games during the session and he was expected to play Wednesday versus Latvia. So that was amazing news, you know, to go from basically a very questionable outlook on Monday to the next day. Like, yeah, he's he's going to play. Whether he was going to start or not, we didn't know, but he was going to play. So the first quarterfinal on Tuesday, so we had two quarterfinals on Tuesday. We had two today on Wednesday. First quarterfinal on Tuesday, Serbia took down Lithuania. Uh Lithuania obviously just beat the U.S. on Sunday, uh, handing the U.S. their first loss of the tournament. But this was now the knockout quarterfinal stage, and just Lithuania just crashed out. Like Bogdan Bogdanovic was the best player on the floor. Uh, he led Serbia. Uh, Milutinov, big man, who uh, is going to play for Olympiakos in, in Greek and EuroLeague play this upcoming season, so I'm excited about that. He uh, matched Jonas Valanciunas production-wise, in my eyes, and I mean, statistically, you can look at it. He he did pretty good against uh, Valanciunas. Lithuania's three-point shooting finally cooled down. Like, they did the 15-24 shooting against Greece, and then the 14-25 three-point shooting against the U.S., and they just could not maintain it in this, uh, in this Serbia game. Serbia's on-ball pressure was big, I thought, throughout this game. Just they looked more ready for this game, and they were more rested. You know, Serbia, I thought, looked the fresher of the two teams. And um, Lithuania, just they came down from that high of upsetting the U.S., and just they, they stood no chance in that in that second half against Serbia. Like, it's just – it happens, man. There's there's a track record of, of teams that upset the U.S. Uh, where the next game they, they crash out and like, sometimes in embarrassing fashion. Like, when Greece upset the U.S. in uh, – in Japan in the 2006 World uh, Championships, or, well, I mean, what's now the World Cup, it's the same thing. Um, in the 2006 tournament, you know, they got spanked in the gold medal game by by Spain. Um, now, that was a really good Spain team as well uh, at the time, but, like, just Greece had had nothing left in the tank after doing the, the near impossible and beating a, a super stacked U.S. team. Um, they just didn't have enough in the tank to beat Spain. So uh, there's other history and examples but that one obviously is always going to remain fresh in my mind because that greek team deserved gold and unfortunately just they had to settle for silver but uh in 06 so yeah serbia they were they punched their ticket to the semifinal. so then the second quarterfinal of tuesday was usa italy otherwise known as the palo bencaro bowl uh italy fans booed palo plenty and often like as soon as they came out for warm-ups in the game like palo was getting booed like they had Signs for Paolo, even though they're an Italian, so you know Paolo doesn't understand Italian, so he doesn't know what the what the signs say. Um, I figured out what they said, and yeah, it's just I'll, you know if you want to do if you want to look into it, look into it. But I mean, it wasn't anything like 
super, super bad because otherwise they never would have let them have those in the stadium, but in, in the arena. But anyway, the game. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., surprise, surprise, picked up two fouls two minutes and 20 seconds into the game. It's It's a running joke now that Triple J gets in foul trouble. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I it's it's doesn't doesn't look great for the reigning defensive player of the year uh, with all this foul trouble. So Paolo checked in two twenty into the game uh, with Italy up six to four, and uh, he was guarding uh, uh, Nico Melli. And uh, you know Melli's been probably one of Italy's top three performers. Like Fontecchio's been top performer, and Melli on the day is usually second or third. So um, good challenge for Paolo coming in. Uh, the U.S. They uh, they need some rebounding help. Um, they didn't need it in this Italy game because Italy didn't have the size advantage uh, that say Montenegro and Lithuania had over the U.S. But I feel like Wendell Carter Jr. should be on this team, and I've seen other Magic fans post it or you know tweet it out and whatnot. But like genuinely, Wendell Carter Jr. would have actually been really good for this U.S. team because. Even against like the beefier guys like Embiid and Jokic, he actually defends them fairly well com- compared to every other center in the NBA, and he rebounds well. Like he he can get double doubles in a heartbeat. And you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't a good rebounder. Um, that's why they have Stephen Adams starting next to next to him at, in Memphis. You know, Triple J is the power forward. Stephen Adams is the center in Memphis, and and uh, that. This the center rebounding issue is is a big thing, and it's going to end up potentially being the U.S.'s downfall here, whether they get the gold medal or not. Like it's, you know, if the U.S. falls in the semifinal or the gold medal game, it's going to probably be because of of size, size disadvantages or rebounding. So, um, but the U.S. they were always going to naturally rebound better against a smaller Italy team. Paolo, once he checked in, like immediately, he played really great defense on uh, on Fontecchio. Uh, he forced a turnover. You know, he helped give the U.S. that early seven to six lead. You know, Paolo dives on the floor, grabs a steal, nice little dribble leak out pass that led to a Jalen Brunson corner three on the break. Uh, and then he had threes from Ingram and, and Austin Reeves helped because both of them were. I mean, Ingram's been bad the whole tournament. I would say Ingram probably had his best game in this Italy game. Uh, Reeves had a big bounce-back game after just Lithuania just punked him bad. Um, Reeves looked more like his normal Team USA performing self. But, yeah, U.S. was up 20-11, to 11, and at that point, Paolo had two boards and a steal. If it was the NBA, Paolo would have gotten assists on that Austin Reeves step-back three, but it's not. FIBA is a little bit more stringent on how uh, they give out Rebound, yeah, yeah, rebounds, but also like assists, especially. That's why we've never had a triple double in a FIBA World Cup tournament, which is kind of wild. But, um, you know, then you had Halliburton, he had to have a much better game than he did versus Lithuania, and he did. Like, Halliburton is, I think he's the best player on this U.S. team. Uh, you know, the, the analytical stats show that Halliburton is the best player on the team, but. You know, a lot of people think it's Edwards, um, but Halliburton, even off the bench, he's he's the guy that that really drives the drives the car. Like he's the engine in the end, and if he's playing well and dishing, like good luck to the other team. You know, Lithuania did an awesome job, and part of it was Halliburton couldn't hit shots, but Lithuania on Sunday really did a good job of just limiting Halliburton's just ability to be a spark off the bench. So, um, but yeah, Halliburton he did great. 
at some point, Paolo missed the yeah early on. Like Paolo missed an open corner three, and I'm I'm looking at all these jumpers that have been coming out of his hand of late, and just you know the thumb issue. It's on his shooting hand, his right hand, and even like the way the ball's coming out of his hand, and then even on his misses, like with the Magic, and even in FIBA play, like he the the ball isn't was isn't normally coming off the rim the way it is now because of that you know little protection that little wrap on his right hand and his right thumb like it's it's impacting him he won't say it no one will say it but it's visually like you can tell there's something different with with the shooting but um and it's either that or it was just the italian crowd being up against him but i i highly doubt it like i think it's it's the thumb um and look if it's not going to get worse then play through it and you'll have three weeks to to fully heal uh when you get back which you know assuming it's not like a really bad thumb injury, three weeks should be enough to heal that thumb. But Paolo had to finish down low with his left hand, uh, which was his first points of the game. And then, yeah, that was off of just a nice uh, Halliburton uh, pass on the on the roll to the rim. Um, and it was 24-14 USA after one period. Italy could not hit shots. They were shooting below 30% from the field for the majority of this game, it feels like. Um, and then when... Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. checked back in for Paolo. The U.S. was up 28-16 to and pretty good control. Uh, especially of late, uh, Paolo's defense has been way better than his offense. Um, like, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's great from a, from a magic, from a development perspective, I think. Now, I know there's magic fans concerned about his offense, his touches, especially, you know, missing jumpers and, and three-pointers at the moment right now. But again, I think it's the thumb. Everything inside the paint, Paolo's been really good about converting, and he's still passing the ball really well. He's getting a little bit better at the rebounding. Um, we'll see how that goes moving forward here in the in the in the metal compete in the metal competing rounds. But yeah, so the U.S. was up forty six to twenty four at halftime. Uh, at that point, Paolo had thirteen had played thirteen minutes off the bench, you know, because Jaron Jackson Jr. was in the foul trouble that he was in. He had four points, did Paolo, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Just, I thought, really solid minutes. Again, being put in a in a position that is not natural to you, um, despite you him practicing and, and playing that position for a month now. Um, it's still not a, a natural position for Paolo. And he's filling in some big shoes with Jaron Jackson Jr., who has been a very big disappointment solely because of the foul trouble. And Walker Kessler is not doing getting it done Bobby Porter's ain't getting it done it's it's Paolo holding it down at center but uh Paolo came back in midway through the third he got this deflection steal and it you know he took it himself on the break for the righty layup uh which is nice to see him finish with his right hand he then did Paolo get a huge block off the backboard against Tonut from uh, you know and it was 73 36 and this game was basically over at that point um and then we had the huge highlight of the game, which was Paolo and Tyrese team up and force a midcourt turnover. Halliburton grabs the ball uh, and then goes between the legs alley-oop pass for the Paolo two-hand jam. And the chemistry between Halliburton and Paolo has been just amazing this tournament. Um, on the alley-oop thing, it, if it looks like Paolo is kind of hesitant to finish the alley-oop, it's because he was expecting Tyrese to throw it off the backboard. And so... At that point, he he said in the post game, 
Jones media scrum that he, he, you know, Paolo just wanted to finish it clean. And he did with the two hand jam. Um, and yeah, at that point it's 83, 44 us through three quarters. The U S wins 100 to 63. Italy could not buy a shot in this game. Uh, the U.S.'s defense was better. I mean, the U.S. did come out with more energy out of the gate. Just they were more alert. Um, whereas, like, with Lithuania, I think I tweeted that the U.S. were still in the hotel room you know, during the first quarter of that Lithuania game. That was definitely not the case against Italy. Maybe they were also pumped because they knew Paolo was going to get ragged on and they wanted to, to show, uh, show Italy up, which they did based off this final score. Um, and, again, Italy just they're so, they didn't they didn't have any size and so the, they were never going to pun, punish the US because of Italy's lack of size. Paolo for the game, 24 minutes off the bench, uh 8 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1 massive block. Again, you know, that right thumb, it's impacting the jump shot, uh but he can score in the paint fine. Uh Italy's coach Pozzecco, who he was stressing hard during that game. I thought he was gonna get thrown out at some point. And I mean that's how he naturally is. He's like a high energy guy. He used to be a player. He's he played for the Italian national team. So he lives, breathes, and dies for that Italian uh national team gig. And after the game in the in the congrat in the, I guess the congratulatory line we'll call it, um, he shook Paolo's hand and gave him a hug after the final buzzer. So Hopefully that that's a good way of uh, kind of quashing any beef. I mean, it's still going to be there between the fans and Paolo, but um, you know, I don't think we ever got a quote from Coach Pozzecco about Paolo joining Team USA instead of Italy. You know, we heard from you know Italy's uh, basketball federation president and and, uh, and higher officials. I don't think we ever heard officially uh, Coach Pozzecco's viewpoint from it, but he clearly seemed to be fine. Uh, after the whistle with Paolo, and that's going to go a long way in the future. Uh, yeah, but the U.S., they uh, they were then going to play the winner of Germany-Latvia in the semifinals on Friday, and the U.S. have an extra day of rest advantage. I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit, but, you know, in playing your games Tuesday, you don't play Wednesday, you don't play Thursday, and, you know, you're pretty fresh come Friday in a tournament where most, most teams have been, you know, teams have most have been playing once every other day. Now you get two full days off, um, whereas, you know, the, the their semifinal opponent uh, will, ha- you know, because they've, they'll have played on a Wednesday, they only have Thursday off. So rest plays a factor when you get into the medal round. Anyway, Wednesday, September 6th, still in Manila here. So Franz was back for, for Germany. Um, he was coming off the bench. Uh, Isak Bonga continued to start at small forward. This is Franz's first game back since the first game they played against Japan and Okinawa. Um, it's played a factor all tourney, but there's been a great Latvian fan presence at this tournament. Uh, you know, the, more fans than Germany had in Manila for this contest for sure. But like Latvia and Lithuania, I mean, both both have brought their a lot of fans, uh, uh, you know, across the globe basically to to get into Manila and. Um, yeah, I mean Latvia. Their, I mean their fans are a big reason too why they had those upsets against France and Spain. Um, so, and also just Latvia's awesome unselfish play because you know they don't have Kristaps Porzingis. They they got to pass and move that rock around, and that's what they were doing uh, from the jump in this game. And they were playing loose, whereas Germany was not. Latvia was up ten to three when Franz checked in. 
midway through the first period. Uh, and then it ended up being a Latvia 11 0 run when uh, Germany finally called a timeout with the Germans down 13 to 3. Again, Latvia, super loose, super confident. They knew they were the underdogs, didn't have much to lose. Uh, credit to Gordy Herbert and that timeout. He was nice and calm in the huddle. Like he could have went with a much different approach, and he instead he was just nice and calm. He was telling the, the you know his team to that they were too tight. They needed to you know loosen up a bit. And yeah, Germany ended up loosening up. Um, also, a reminder for this game: Latvia has two uh, Bertans and two uh, Kuritzes. So uh, just a fun little random fact. And then you throw in Zagars, who is a free agent point guard, uh, and there's going to be some EuroLeague teams. There might be an NBA team that wants to sign Zagars. Who knows? Because he's been amazing this tournament. And then throw in uh, Smits and you know this Latvia team. It's very balanced and skilled and can bang in threes, as we saw in this game. Um, and yeah, I mean they Latvia was up sixteen to eight. Franz, little skittish out of the gate. He was clearly trying to find his footing a bit. And, you know, Franz had a turnover. Uh, Franz had gone 0 of 6 on threes in the Japan win. So his first shot was a three out of the corner. Uh, it was a step back three that Franz drilled. And that ended up being a confidence booster, cutting Latvia's lead down to 16-11. And then Mo Wagner checked in. Uh, he and Franz played together a bit at the end of the first period. Uh, Mo immediately drew a foul against a much shorter Zurich. Um, and Mo continues whenever he gets any type of noticeable size advantage in the post, he's, he's backing him down and taking it to the hole. So, and that's what Mo's got to do. You got to take advantage of that mismatch. Uh, Germany was only down 13 to 16 after one quarter, which was very encouraging for Germany considering how bad of a start they got off to, uh, Mo, he was going to have enormous role, role again in the in the game off the bench. Um, Franz, uh, early in the second quarter, he rolled off the uh, the right three-point line up the middle and gave a nice uh, lefty dump down to, uh, to Tiemann, uh, which led to free throws for Tiemann. So you can see Franz was getting more and more comfortable with that ankle and just doing a lot more Franz stuff. Um, and then at that point, you kind of figured Germany's depth and size advantage would, would not just bring him back, but give him the lead. Um, Mauro Lowe, that guy's good. I don't care if he's 30. Like, I'd take him on the Magic any day of the week. Um, you know, Mauro Lowe off the steal. He fed Mo Wagner for just a huge fast break dunk. Like, it was, it was a momentum swinger for sure. You know, Germany took a 17-16 lead 53 seconds into the second period. Um, and then Mo cleanly bulldozed Davis Bertans for two at the rim, which could have been an and one, should have probably been an and one. Uh, it was 23-20 Germany. Then you got Mo with an offensive rebound over the smaller uh, Archers Kurots, uh, and he got to the line. Just Mo's energy is just unbelievable again. Like that guy just sparks Germany every time he steps on the floor, whether offensively he's on or not. Um, Mo made some free throws. He was up to six points. Germany was up 25-20. Schroeder had a garbage uh, first half on both ends of the floor and ended up being a garbage game in general for Dennis Schroeder. But he was at, he was like 0 of 9 from the floor at this point. And I you do wonder if, if that back is bothering him because he went into that Georgia game a couple of days ago, um, a couple of games ago, 
where he was questionable with like a back injury and it didn't get brought up uh, since then, but I, I do wonder if, if Schroeder's back is bothering him. But um, he was just bad on both ends, and he was letting Zagars, who, again, Zagars been awesome all tourney um, and is looking for a club to sign him. He let Zagars get into rhythm, did Schroeder. And it's funny because in the postgame, uh, Dennis Schroeder reminded everyone that he owns a team in Germany and that Zagars, like a year and a half ago, was on that team that he owns uh but he was injured and just could not show what he could do and this is this is a big uh it's a big self-promotion tournament for zagars and he's he's gonna have some options now after this tournament um we then got into point franz mode uh you know franz handling the ball duties with uh schroeder sitting down he fed mauro low for a long uh, pull-up three that he buried Germany was up 36-34 at halftime. Uh, it was it was definitely a game. Um, they were even on three-pointers. I think they reached 5 of 13 at that point. Franz Wagner in 10 bench minutes. He was at three points, three boards, two assists. Uh, he needed more than the one shot attempt that he got, which was that corner three that he buried. But it was just nice to see Franz get his feet wet at that point, get comfortable, get into the game. Mo Wagner, eight bench minutes. Just all energy, man. Six points, two boards of steel. Um I thought Gordy Herbert had some tough decisions to make at halftime. Like, do you start either or both Wagner brothers? Uh, does Mauro Lowe start in place of uh, your, at that point, 0 for 10 captain, Dennis Schroeder? Uh, I thought Mo was playing better than Tice and Voigtman. Um, I thought Franz was definitely better than Bonga. Uh, and then Timon was better than, than Voigtman, for sure. It, you know, Voigt, Timon was arguably the best German player uh, in that first half. And this is a do-or-die game. Like, you're only up two points at that point. Like, I, I thought we might have seen a, a lineup shuffle. And, and you know, I would have started uh, Mo, uh, Timon, Franz, uh, Andreas Obst, and Mauro Lowe uh, to begin the third period. And Herbert, he stuck with the same starters, except Franz started in place of Visak Bonga. So Franz... Should get his starting gig, gig back, I got a feeling, uh, in the semifinals against Team USA. But we're, we're going to see. We're going to find out. But Franz started the third quarter in place of Bonga. Um, Franz, he uh, he got tagged with a second foul. Uh, like, out of the gate to open the third quarter, he fouled uh, Davis Bertans on a four-point play. And Latvia all of a sudden went from down 36-34 to up 38-36. Uh, Dennis Schroeder finally scored, making him... One of 13 from the field. You thought maybe that'd get him going. I mean, he he did shoot a little bit better in the second half than the first, but that's not saying much when when you shoot 4 of 26 for the game. But, um, you know, Latvia was still holding on to a slim lead, 42-40. Franz then got this big-time and one where he drove, uh, drove left and finished right off the glass, made the free throw. It was 43-42 Germany, up one. And at that point, you see the Wagner brothers' parents. They're they're still there. They're up and cheering like that. It was the first close-up view of uh, of Mama Wagner, uh, of uh, Franz and Moritz's Wagner, just getting excited. I mean, even their dad was up, and their dad is definitely the most composed uh, of the two parents. And even on the Franz and one, like he, you know, <laughs> their their dad was even pumped up for that. So. Um, Franz, I mean, he he stayed aggressive. Like the first half was about kind of feeling it out a little bit. 
third quarter and the whole second half, he was very aggressive. He went up for a driving two-hand poster attempt. Uh, he got fouled. He hit two more free throws Did France. He was at up to eight points, five rebounds, and two assists, and Germany was up 50-47 at that point. The confidence is just building. Like, Franz hit a long three-pointer. He's clearly heating up at this point. He made a 53-50 Germany. As Latvia, again, they, they kept fighting back, but Franz was doing enough to keep keep giving Germany a slim lead. As Franz was up to 11 points with 424 left in the third. Um, the best lineup, again, clearly, I thought should have been Mo, Tiemann, Franz, Obst, and Lowe. Uh, I would not have trusted Voitman, Bonga, and even Schroeder uh, in, in you know in in a close situation, which the majority of the second half was. Um, Germany they were barely up sixty to fifty six after a great uh, Mo Wagner fast break two hand bounce pass to Schroeder for two points. So again, Mo trying to get his captain Dennis Schroeder going. It was it was a really not like Mo easily could have went up for the layup. And instead, he's like, nope, two hand bounce pass on the break. It was it was nice. Um, 62-59, small German lead entering the fourth period. Franz and Mo, they each started the fourth, and guess what? The lead grew because of them. Franz, with a vintage righty drive uh, and tough-angled righty finish that we're used to being Magic fans, put up put Germany up five. Franz was at up to 13 points at that point. Then, uh, yeah, I mean, this was... At this point, Herbert was playing my ideal lineup, you know, except for instead of Obst, uh, Bonga was in. So you had a, some extra defense there with Franz and, and Bonga, who are arguably, well, with Mauro Lowe, I guess, the, the three best per, perimeter defensive guys that they got. Like Schroeder can do it in stretches, but like Lowe is more consistent with it. And then Franz is Franz. He's the best perimeter defender by by far. Um, and then Isak Bonga, he's... You know, he's not quite Nick Weiler-Babb good defensively, but Bonga is pretty good defensively. Um, Bonga did uh, thankfully pleasantly surprise me. He hit a three off the off a Franz skip pass, and then Mo with just a huge play, uh, got a steal, and then an uncontested tomahawk jam on the other end by himself. Latvia took a timeout because all of a sudden Germany was up 70-59, to 59, and... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's all credit to the Wagner brothers at that point. Uh, Franz misses a shot. Mo gets the offensive rebound. More free throws for Mo with uh, 7.32 to go. Mo got up to 12 points thanks to the two free throws. Germany's up a dozen. Like, they're, you're thinking, okay, they're, they're going to close this out, even though, I mean, there's still, you know, a lot of time left. Um, you figured that Germany being up double digits had maybe finally broken Latvia's spirit. But then Franz checks out. Schroeder checks back in. Uh, it's 74, 63 Germany with six minutes left. So again, you're still up double digits, um, almost midway through the fourth, but that German offense was just way worse with Schroeder out there. Um, Schroeder, even got a flopping technical called against them. Um, flopping against the, a, a Latvian driving to the hole. I think it was Zagars who was trying to get to the hole and it was just, it was just a nightmare. Like Schroeder was at four of 24 shooting from the field with two minutes left and he, I genuinely thought he could easily have solely lost the game for Germany. And it almost freaking happened because even when Franz checked back in the game again, Franz wasn't touching the ball. It was just Schroeder handling it. And, you know, it's Dennis's pride. Dennis is being the captain. Like, there's, there's a lot of factors going into this. But, yeah, I mean, Herbert not getting Franz the ball more, 
you know, you, you got to yell at Schroeder at that point, man. Like you, you got to really get the ball out of Dennis's hands and into Franz's, and he, he didn't. Um, but then also on top of that, like Herbert not getting Mo Tiemann or Lowe back in was insane. And then all of a sudden, Latvia is only down 79-77 with a minute to go. And that was that was an intense final two minutes, for sure. And especially the final minute. Like, Germany survives this game 81-79 because Schroeder, I can't remember if he, yeah, Schroeder missed a shot. And then Davis Bertans on the other end had, I thought, a good long three-point look by his standards that he missed. Like, Bonga, he... He did pretty good closing it, you know, closing out on the shot. Um, I mean, and Bertans was pretty far behind that line, but he had made quite a few of those already in the game, and we know that's that shots in Bertans' range. That um, you know, Bonga did a good good job getting on him as much as possible, and I still thought that's the shot to take because there's no way Latvia was wanted to get into overtime. Um, they would have had some momentum, but I mean, they, they Latvia probably would have been gassed in the overtime. Like they, if they were going to win it, they had to win in regulation and Bertans barely missed that three. And, um, Gordy Herbert and Dennis Schroeder almost, uh, gave us an all time choke job. Um, it would have been, <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been just a catastrophic choke job for Germany, but instead, we get Germany, U.S. meeting in the semifinals Friday, uh, 8.40 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. I don't give a damn if he's the captain. Dennis Schroeder was 4.26 from the field and just was bad everywhere, even defensively. And, you know, you could not have kept him in that game late, especially when Mauto Lowe was playing well. And Franz, again, had grown your lead to double digits because he was point Franz at that point. Um, for the game... Mo Wagner in 18 minutes off the bench, 12 points. He was perfect from the field was Mo. Four boards, two steals, one assist. Franz in the return, 24 bench minutes, 16 points, eight rebounds, which is very good for Franz is the eight rebounds, three assists. Franz won the TCL player of the game, which was you know his first award at this tournament because this was only his second game playing too. Um, Mo Wagner has two of these awards from the FIBA World Cup. So it's nice to see Franz get one. It might not be Franz's last TCL Player of the Game award in this tournament. We're going to see. Um, this is Germany's first World Cup semifinal since Dirk carried them in 2002, which I think that tournament was played in Indianapolis because that was the disastrous USA tourney where like McGrady was just not, and, and other guys like Jermaine O'Neal were just not good in that tourney, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, Dirk had, had carried Germany into the semifinals of that World Cup where they did lose to Argentina and end up uh, salvaging a, a bronze medal against New Zealand. I, I forgot they had played New Zealand in the in the bronze medal game of that tournament. That's kind of crazy to think about now, considering you know New Zealand isn't exactly a, a basketball powerhouse. But um, yeah, if you count last year's Eurobasket and this now, it's it's back to back Final Fours for Germany, which is massive. Uh, this this is probably the most successful run in Germany's basketball history and they had Dirk you know win them a silver at Eurobasket 2005 and a, a FIBA World Cup uh, bronze in 2002 but um, I think this might be this is Germany's like golden generation and this is probably going to end up being Germany's like most successful uh, st- run I think in in their history so but you know they got a semi-final coming up to really prove it I guess but 
Yeah, I mean, we we got our Paolo Bancaro versus Franz and Moritz Wagner meeting. Um, it sh- this game should or could have potentially been in the been the final had the U.S. not lost to Lithuania on Sunday. But uh, the semifinals will have to do for now. Uh, again, I I thought Gordy Herbert coached like a coward late today, and luckily didn't pay for it, which is very uncharacteristic of Herbert. Like that that guy's a good coach. He is. He just. I don't know, man. Just he, I don't know if he froze or just he did not want to just piss off Schroeder anymore. And he's just like, all right, we're going to, we're going to live by this. And, you know, they didn't die, but they, they probably should have. Like the basketball gods probably should have had that, that Bertans three drop, but it didn't. And so Germany's got another lifeline here. Um, yeah. I mean, Herbert, I think he's going to, I mean, Germany's going to be the underdog clearly against the U.S. I think it's the U.S. are favored by ten and a half points against Germany, which that's pretty disrespectful. Uh, I I would cut that in half. I would say if I was a gambling person, but um, Herbert's going to probably coach loose looser. Germany's going to be looser. Uh, but yeah, I mean. It doesn't mean much, but Germany is still the only undefeated team left in the tourney. Uh, the encouraging thing is immediately after the final buzzer, buzzer of this game, like the entire German team circled around Dennis Schroeder to just boost his morale up. And so that's important, I think, uh, because Schroeder could drop 30 points on the U.S. for all we know. Like it's it's very possible. Like he's not going to shoot that terribly again uh, against the U.S., I don't think, on, on Friday. But... We did have one more quarterfinal. It was Canada versus Slovenia. Luca had a mountain of a task in front of him. Um, this was a heck of a game early on. I mean, it was 50-50 at halftime. And uh, and then the second half, Canada, just they had too much depth, um, which they don't even have Jamal Murray in this tournament. And still, that's, that's a pretty nice Canada team. Um, you know, between SGA leading the way, like SGA I think is the leading scorer of the tournament. Right now, he's probably on pace to win MVP of the entire tournament. He'll probably definitely make an all-tournament, the all-tournament team, will SGA. But uh, Canada's depth was just too much for Slovenia. Also, Luca, the entire game was preoccupied with the refs in the crowd. He was doing, like, the money symbol, kind of showing that he thought there was, like, corruption involved. So that's a little, uh, that's a little concerning. <laughs> um, and... Luca and Dylan Brooks went at it. Brooks, who was being booed often by the Filipino fans because, you know, they're just not big Brooks Brooks fans. But on top of that, you know, most Filipino fans are Laker fans. So uh, they, they were going to naturally boo Brooks in that situation. But Brooks got disqualified with 7.06 to go in that game on a, on a taunting technical, I believe. And then because he had already picked up a technical early in the game. I don't remember if that was a, 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 a taunting one as well or if it was just a standard technical. But then uh, at that point, Slovenia was down 15. And then less than a minute later, Doncic gets disqualified with 6.37 left, uh, which I thought was game over, but credit to the rest of Slovenians for fighting back. But with Luka, he he had already picked up like a technical earlier on, and then he got another one, just too much complaining to the officials like they they had had enough at that point slovenia losing means that serbia and germany earned the 2024 paris olympics automatic qualifying bids for uh for fiba europe so um you know congrats to serbia and germany i mean now we have if you look at it from australia joe ingles 
Germany, Franz and Mo Wagner, and USA Paolo Bencaro, all those nations are all going to the Olympics automatically next year. They don't have to play pre-qualifying games. Like they're automatically in the Olympics, which is huge. Um, whereas Georgia, you know, Goga Bataze, they have to go into the pre-Olympic qualifying tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, with the Paris Olympics, so now we have eight of the 12 slots are filled. The last four are going to be determined by the pre-Olympic qualifying tournaments next year. Again, there's like a bidding process for this where nations can actually bid to host one of the four uh, six-team uh, pre-Olympic qualifying tournaments. So we'll see uh, who does that. But, yeah, the eight teams are the host France, Australia, South Sudan, heck of a story, Japan, heck of a story. The U.S., Canada, Germany, Serbia. Um, all right, let's talk semifinal now, a little preview. Um, and it's not going to be just a semifinal preview because Friday I'm flying out to uh, to go see UCF Knights uh, play Boise in, uh, in football. So that'll be cool. And then I'll, I'll also hit up Yellowstone for a few days. So pretty excited for this trip. Uh, just hoping for good weather, good flights, everything. Uh, going to rent a car and do a lot of driving as well so but uh i will be able to see uh the usa germany game on my flight which i'm you know thankful for 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 advancements in technology for that but yeah friday september 8th the semifinals in manila canadians aren't happy about this but the first semifinal at serbia canada at 4 45 a.m u.s eastern time so hey sometimes you got to wake up for the stuff that you love and you know, 4.45, it beats the heck out of, say, 3.30 or, or, you know, or 3 o'clock. But, you know, 4.45 is Serbia, Canada. And then at 8.40 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, it's USA, Germany. Real quick with Serbia, Canada. Um, Serbia, they're missing Nikola Jokic. Canada, missing Jamal Murray. So we don't have any, like, Denver Nuggets tension going on there. Um, Serbia have been really finding their their footing as the tournaments progress. Like Bogdan Bogdanovic is going to do his thing, but you've got Jovic, Militinov. You got a couple other guys for Serbia that are, that are, uh, that are good. And, you know, they're motivated extra by, um, by one of their teammates who had like emergency surgery to remove a kidney after he took a, a shot to the chest, uh, accidental shot to the chest by a South Sudan player. And it's a scary story. Like it's, it's everywhere. It's all over the internet. You can find it, but, um, yeah, the other playing for him. And I mean, also they're playing for, you know, to win a medal as well. But yeah, I mean, all four of these teams in the semifinal, they have their Olympic, uh, births automatically, uh, given. So they don't have that stress on their minds. Now it's just the stress of when gold, silver, bronze, you know? So, um, I do hate that the national media, the NBA media, just downplays the importance of this FIBA World Cup. They just view it as a lot of them just view it like, oh yeah, you know, they got their Olympic bid, like they're good. And it's just like, no, the the prize is 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 the trophy. It's it's winning gold at this FIBA World Cup. It's a tougher, better tournament than the Olympics. Like the Olympics, you only get twelve teams in it. You know, Eurobasket is better than the Olympics. FIBA World Cup is better than the Olympics. But for some reason. And especially American culture, it's just the Olympics are the top turn is the top tournament, and I just I vehemently disagree with that. But um, yeah, so Serbia versus Canada. I mean, Canada's got 
got the deeper roster. They've got the best player in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, they've got guys like Brooks Dort to try and defend Bogdan- guys like Bogdanovich. You know, a guy like Nikola Jovic is really gonna have to step up, I think, and and really because he 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 had an okay game in the quarterfinal and this semifinal. Jovic is gonna have to step up a lot more. Um, I think Canada is gonna win, but. I will not be shocked if Serbia somehow pulls this off. Like Serbia's hidden hidden their stride, but so is Canada. Canada, they you know, they got their battle testing out of the way with that huge win against Spain and then they cruised, you know, in their quarterfinal, uh at least the second half of their quarterfinal against Slovenia and I think Canada's going to win. Um which leaves the other, the second semifinal Friday at 8:40 a.m. USA Germany, Paolo Bancaro versus Franz and Mo Wagner. You know, the interesting part with Mo is he's more likely to be matched up with Paolo than Franz is, especially when when Franz is likely going to start this game. You're going to have Paolo coming off the bench matching up center and center with with Mo and I am curious to see if Mo shit talks Paolo. That's going to be really really fascinating in and of itself, but then you know, this USA team, they have trouble with size. And this German team has plenty of that size. Um, and, I mean, it's going to be, Tice is going to be, is going to give Jaron Jackson Jr. some problems, I think. Um, he's Tice is going to definitely try and bait Triple J into some foul trouble early. And then, you know, Voigtman's a tall guy. Uh, Tiemann's good size on him. And then you've got, you know, you've got you've got uh, Mo Wagner, who again, it's funny. I think Mo Wagner statistically in this tournament is the 12th highest ranked player in this tournament, uh, higher than any. Well, I think Schroeder's ranked sixth, despite the terrible game today in the quarterfinal. Schroeder, I think, still ranked like sixth or somewhere around there. But Mo Wagner, I think, has an outside shot still potentially making not just the All Tournament team, but also uh, MVP if he has just a really good game against against the U.S., which you can't discount it. It's very possible because he's more used to playing center than Paolo Bancaro is. Like, he's he's going to try and post Paolo up. Now, Paolo's got a strong enough lower body where I think he'll hold up well against Mo, but Mo's going to try and get Paolo in foul trouble. And, I mean, they know each other all very well. That's the other thing. It's like it's going to be interesting to see who who studied who better and who can – pick out the other the other side's weaknesses in that regard but Franz especially if Steve Kerr doesn't change the starting lineup um you know he's most likely going to go up against a guy like Josh Hart or uh, Mikhail Bridges Franz can get the better of either guy it's you know his ankle seems fine Germany is at the disadvantage of having one rest day less than the U.S. but I think Germany's going to end up I I don't think it's that's going to be the reason why Germany loses but we'll see um you know, rest played a factor in the Abu Dhabi friendly because uh, I think Germany was playing uh, the U.S. in Abu Dhabi on the second night of a of a back to back, and you know Germany was up 16 in that game before fatigue set in. So, but oh man, I I am tempted to pick Germany to beat the U.S. I really am. I just think how like it's going to be about the guards because if Brunson starts. 
Schroeder could get the best of him. If Schroeder gets off to a good start in this game and is on his way to like a 25, 30 point game, like all bets are off. Like Germany could easily win this game if Schroeder's off to a good start. But if Schroeder's not doing that great and then you throw in Halliburton in there, uh, Halliburton is going to be key in this game because um, his size might negate. I mean, his size is going to give Schroeder and Mauto low problems uh, in that backcourt. Um, and I think Halliburton's going to end up being the big difference maker. Maybe Anthony Edwards has like a Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan type performance shooting wise, but I think Halliburton's the key in this game. And I, I am going to say the U S wins. Now I don't think the U S should be favored by 10 and a half points. If that is the spread by the time this game tips off. But, um, again, I will not be surprised if Germany wins and, you know, it'll be if Germany wins, it'll be the first time they're in a FIBA World Cup final. Uh, and at that point, it's like if you beat the U.S., you could beat Canada as well. But I, I don't think so. I think we're going to get a USA Canada final. And then, man, I, I think the U.S. is going to beat Canada in the final because I'm not going to record a podcast before the final. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll record, a, you know, Spencer and I will record a podcast uh, in a week uh, when I'm back. But. You know, Canada arguably has the best player in the tournament and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Arguably, I I don't I still think guys like Halliburton are better. I think Edwards, focused Edwards, is better than Shea Gilgis Alexander. I'm sure I'll have people disagree with me on that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say U.S. wins the gold, which I guess is a boring pick, but it's not gonna be. Like these these games aren't going to be boring. Like I don't expect any blowouts, but that's all I got for it. You know, I I'm excited for for these final few games here. Um, yeah, I I'm really excited. I hope Magic fans are excited because this is a chance for you know it'd be awesome if Franz, Paolo, and Mo each had amazing games in that in that semifinal game because then the basketball world just can't ignore the Magic at that point. Because you've got three guys in a high-profile game, and you've got your two studs, and your 22-year-old stud and Franz Wagner, and your 20-year-old stud and and Paolo Bencaro. So I'm excited. Um, that's gonna do it for this episode. If you're still listening, I thank you very much for your time. Subscriptions, high ratings, positive comments, all help this podcast ranking immensely. Tweet us any of your questions. Uh, Penny's Twitter handle is at Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, take care. Let's go magic.